Hi, everyone, and thank you for joining us on another episode of Expert Answers from Inside Scientific. Inside Scientific is the online environment for life science webinars, virtual events, interviews, and educational content that helps you do your best work. Today, we are joined by Benjamin Prosser and Michael Helms. Benjamin is an assistant professor in the Department of Physiology at the Perelman School of Medicine in the University of Pennsylvania. Michael is co-CEO of Ionoptics, a company which is known for solutions for high-speed quantitative fluorescence, muscle mechanics, and tissue engineering. They are here to discuss best practices and techniques for attaching, stretching, and studying isolated cells. Let's jump in. There's a few that came in where they'd like uh, you guys to clarify how stretch is applied in a scientific application. So how you would control this and then maybe different the requirements as far as maybe product or and, and methods. We use a piezo motor from, uh, in our case, we use Mad City Labs. Most piezos or most motors will do if you, all you care about is doing uh, stretches and then holds. Okay. That's not a very fast process. Of course, you want to have a fairly rapid response. Uh, for your force control in, uh, in Sicily, because the systolic force goes up so rapidly, we use a direct drive a piezo from Mad City Labs. That's the, that's the best we could find for this work. Okay, excellent. And there's no other process manually or others uh, otherwise that would be applicable. It's uh, basically this is a motor controlled process. Yes. Okay. What, what? Also, you always use your micro manipulator to manually stretch your myocyte. If you, that's what I did for a long time till I had the piezo. Okay. Essentially, when you're setting up and you're first attaching your cell, you're setting it to whichever preferred resting length you want. All those manipulations are going to be done on the motor, on the micromanipulator level. And then once you set up your experiment and start your experiment, it's fully programmed motor-driven uh, piezo that drives the length changes. Excellent. Well, I think that addresses uh, the questions. We had a few that came in that regard. So let's move on to another. And also, uh, specifically, some of our audience would like to know if this system can be used with cardiac IPS cells. I'll go ahead and answer that one, Michael. Yeah. It hasn't been done yet, but we've been in contact with a few different labs that are interested in doing it. Certainly, the sensitivity of the force transducer suggests that it could be used easily. Um, the issue will come up on how do we attach them. There's a lot of heterogeneity in iPS cells. For a single iPS cell, they're pretty small. It's not obviously the same morphology as an adult cardiac myocyte. But for cells that are grown in small clusters, we should be able to attach them. And like I said, we've been in contact with a couple labs that are interested in doing it. Okay, great. Okay, I, I'm going to, we've also had a number of questions come in kind of around hardware software requirements and then how they may connect together. So again, probably Michael and, and Joe, if you can speak to any specific hardware requirements or how the hardware is arranged so that it can be connected to um, a data acquisition or software system. And then in that event, uh, I guess, Michael, for you, what would be required on the software to generate the work loops that you were showing and possibly analyze them? So maybe just some additional background information in that light. The system is, of course, continuously uh, in development. The system as it stands, it has a uh, force user. There's a piezo motor. You can drive the piezo motor directly from the software using the signal generators that are built into the software. Having said that, you saw the optical rail. The force user has an analog output. Piezo has an analog input. So if, you're, if you have your own LabVIEW software, MATLAB software, or the commercial systems that can uh, take in and put out those analog signals, you can also use the MyStretcher as such. Um, the second half of the question, I think, was... Uh, but, yeah, I think it's specifically... Yeah, generating the work loops, if there's anything required. I right. think this would be more about generating XY plots, but then also analyzing uh, that data. 
as people familiar with IM optic software, you could see that it did not do the the force length loop anal analysis in uh, in IM optics. Those were uh, lab chart pictures from uh, AT Instruments uh, lab okay. chart, and you have an excellent PV module. And if you have a power lab, you can just feed in the you can feed in your force signal, you can feed in your uh, piezo position signal, and you will see the work loops appear in real time. Huh? Okay, and so it's fair to all internalize it into our software, but that's still a project under development. Uh, okay, but it's fully feasible as is. Uh. Excellent. Okay, so maybe a, a question for Ben in regards to myotech. How long is a batch of myotech good for, and, and can it be reused? So we keep the myotech in small aliquots in the freezer. We tend to twenty microliter aliquots. And we'll thaw them on ice, always on ice. And then once thawed, it can be, and as long as it's kept on ice or in the fridge, it can be used usually for about three or four days. So we basically use about an aliquot a week. And then it'll start sort of losing its stickiness after three or four days of use. Now, as far as when they're frozen in the... In, when they're kept at minus 20, we've used stocks for over a year without any problem. Okay, great. And then... I guess kind of in the same line, are there any tips for optimizing cell isolation protocols um, for experiments with myotech? So I think every lab has sort of their own best practices and, and things they'll swear by. But one thing that's been somewhat consistent is we want to pay attention to how the membranes are digested during the enzymatic isolation. And so most folks use a collagenase-based solution to isolate uh, single cells, sometimes adding other enzymes, uh, protease, trypsin, for example. We try to keep those out of our solutions and use a, a solely a collagenase-based solution. And we also try to minimize the digestion time needed. So a longer digestion time will often give a higher yield of cells, but you always have plenty of cells for physiology experiments. So we err on the shorter side of digestion to preserve as much of that membrane and matrix system as possible because that's what's involved in the attachment to myotech. So I think those would be a couple tips for um, optimizing your cell isolation protocol for these kind of experiments. Okay, that's excellent. We've had a few questions come in, again, about this piezoelectric method and then pairing measurements with patch clamp or action potential. So specifically, someone has written, I would like to know about the piezoelectric method. Is it possible to patch clamp the cell at the same time? So I can chime in a little bit there because I've, I've, I've done these experiments. And yes, the bottom line is, yes, it is possible. You can... Particularly what we've done is we use sort of a half-cell stretch configuration where you attach your force transducer about uh, halfway to three-quarters down the length of a cell in the longitudinal axis. The piezo will be attached to the far end. You then drive your stretches from that far end, but patch on the free end that's behind the force transducer side. So this free end of the cell is not as exposed as much to the length changes um, that are going to occur because it has that fixed force transducer between it and the length controller. And this minimizes the disruption of your patch that can break your seal and disrupt electrophysiology experiments. So this is it's certainly tricky to do. It's a lot of hardware all in the same bath at the same time. But the experiments can certainly be done and would be really the most precise demonstrations of sort of mechanoregulation of electrophysiology that's been done to date. Excellent. Anything to add, Michael or Joe, on uh, that method? Or It sounds like Ben's answer was very complete, but just give you the opportunity to chime in. Back in Oxford, uh, similar experiments were done. It was considered hard, so he didn't do it when he didn't have to, but it could be done. Um, and mostly by staying on, f finding a part of the cell that, that didn't move much. Uh, that kind of goes without saying, doesn't it? 
Very good. Okay, so a couple other questions. So we had we had one come in earlier, and again, it's in lines with also looking at fluorescence measurements. So one of our audience members wanted to know, is there a trick to avoid the reduction of the contraction efficiency after incubation of FURA2 on cardiomyocytes? So that's always uh, an issue whenever you're using FURA2. The high affinity for calcium and the slow off rate can affect the measurements regardless of whether you're attaching them or not. So the onus is always on the experimenter to introduce the least amount of FURA that they can in order to, to do the measurements properly while still maintaining a good signal-to-noise ratio for the fluorescence signal. Michael, do you want to add to that? Yeah, I have used uh, FURA a fair bit for these experiments. And you do have to be careful, especially if you have cells that are slightly calcium overloaded in diastole. Especially in diastole, FURA does have an effect. After you add FURA, it's actually easier to stretch your cells because it, it soaks up some of the calcium and reduce, you, reduce, re, you reduce the activation level of the cell. So my guess is that it would also affect contractile speed. Uh, so it's something to be aware of uh, and be consistent in what you do. So even if there is somewhat of a bias, it should be the same bias in every experiment. Get a good objective. Minimize the loading. So it's all, it's, it, at the end of the day, not necessarily any tricks, but it's all about consistency and uh, reproducible methods and tight controls. Is that fair to say? Okay. Yeah, and to a large extent, it's, uh, you, you know, you need to get good signal to noise, but you don't need to get a, a, a massive signal with FURA in order to make reasonable analysis of it. So the, you know, the important thing is not that you get the best possible magnitude of response. And the best case scenario is to get the most physiologic response. So load as little as possible in order to do that. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Okay, I think we've got time for maybe one, two more questions. We've had a few um, questions come in from audience about just specific types of cells that could be studied. Anything that we can you can share with the audience regarding atrial myocytes and then also, let me just look for the other one here. I've lost it. Yeah, so let's stick with atrial myocytes for now. Um, you know, can this just be used in that type of sample? And then smooth muscle cells, I believe, was the other uh, question. I can chime in on both of those from past experience. So some of my colleagues in the letter lab have utilized this technique and, and done actually quite a bit of work on atrial cells. Mora Greiser specifically has had good success using this technique on atrial myocytes, isolated, I believe, from both rabbit and mouse. And as far as smooth muscle cells, did some of these experiments myself as well, and I know some others too who have done this on uh, smooth muscle cells. Depending on the diameter of the cell, we've used smaller glass micro rods or larger diameter rods at times to optimize, but that can depend on, especially with smooth muscle cells where there's such a diversity in morphology on the cell type that you're, that you're using. But uh, again, bottom line is that certainly this, these experiments have been done on both atrial and smooth muscle cells. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Expert Answers and that you will tune into future episodes where researchers just like you answer questions about their work and share science. For the full webinar, please see the link in the description. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you next time.